Hey guys, this is your host Ruman and you have tuned into Life Happens for Real podcast where our primary focus is to search for stories from around the world to help people who are grappling with a similar situation. Today on the show we are talking about this very common type of cancer and that is breast cancer. A cancer that develops in the cells of the breasts. The symptoms may include a lump in the breast, bloody discharge from the nipple, or changes in the shape or the texture of the nipple, which we also call as an inverted nipple. To to talk details about it, on my show, I have with me Carrie Annie. She comes from Western New York, a 10-year-old survivor of breast cancer and a proud mother of a 15-year-old, which she considers as her greatest achievement. She's an outreach specialist with the Hope Chattaqua Coalition Prevention Works, which is a substance abuse prevention organization. So without further ado, let's welcome her to the show. Hello, Carrie. How are you doing? I'm good, Omi. How are you? I'm doing super well. So yeah, it's like so great to have you here. It's so great to have you today. I'm talking to you like about something very, very, you know, like with something which people don't want to really talk about. No. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get it. Like it's not very easy to kind of talk about your journey with breast cancer. And I'm kind of, you know, I kind of appreciate your courage that you actually came forward and, you know, talked about it. So yeah, I have like a, Oh, yeah, you can go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, um, I think being 10 years out of it Uh made me realize and such like that my story was unique and how old I was. And it wasn't that common back then to see somebody so young with it. So, yeah, like I have like a dozen questions lined up for you. So, yeah, let's just get started. So the first question that comes to my mind is like, you know, take me back to the time before you actually got detected of breast cancer. I mean, you know, your period and everything. Did you ever find anything wrong with your system or any changes in your breasts, you know, which you ignored as one really tends to sometimes? So, yeah. So, no, um, the only thing I remember prior to that, that I later kind of figured out that was a symptom that I wasn't aware of at the time was I remember it was like September here and it was warm in my nipple itch. And I thought it was like, I got bit by a mosquito or something. And I remember being on the phone with my sister-in-law joking around about it. Well, okay. come to find out later that that's actually like a sign of cancer is like an internal itch that you just can't kind of relieve. Uh-huh. So that was probably the one thing that stuck out that I ignored for obvious reasons. Nobody thinks about that stuff, especially when you're 27. So yeah, you ignored. Did it ca- cause you some, you know, at that very moment, did you, did it cause it to you, you know, did it cause you some harm or some pain that itchy? No, it was just itchy. <laughs> I just made a joke about it. It went away. Then it would come back like the next day. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I ended up with the blood coming from my nipple, which I left that alone too, because uh-huh. I didn't know. You know. I had a five-year-old. It wasn't like a lot. It was like one drop while I was sitting in the uh-huh. tub, bathtub, yeah, you we- know, and I'm like, that's weird, yeah. you know? 
we were about to, we were about to come to that as well you know so what i was talking what i was about to ask you like when did you first feel that something was iray like to, you know talk more about it so you felt like oh my god this is not this was this is amish so yeah what what happened uh well with the blood that i noticed coming out of my nipple i let it go let it go but there was at one point where i walked into my bedroom and i noticed quite a bit of drops on my bras and on my bed sheet and like t-shirts and quite a bit and i'm like this is ridiculous i got to like wash my sheets and stuff every day now so that's when i was like i better look into this a little bit more and see what's going on you know my son was 5 i wasn't breastfeeding i didn't have any trauma to my chest happen no hard hits so i was like hopped on the internet like most people do <laughs> and googled my symptoms was just like the worst thing you could do and but it was actually pretty correct webmd said if you're not breastfeeding and you didn't have any trauma you need to go get tested because it sounds like you have breast cancer you know that's a sign of it and i was like what just kind of blown away you know yeah obviously like okay what was your initial reaction to this really unusual change you know did you panic or you know were you brave enough to go to a hospital to get yourself checked um i went to my obgyn a gynecologist my mm-hmm. gynecologist mm-hmm. and you know her initial thing was that it looked a little green so maybe she thought it was a cyst now 20 6 years old cuz this is these are all the symptoms that happened when I was 26. I wasn't officially diagnosed till I was 27. So at 26 years old like even my doctor that's not a common thing to see. So she thought maybe a cyst or a fibroid or anything. So she took a little swab of it and then made an appointment for our um local like mammogram place and MRI place and set me up with a mammogram and an ultrasound and did you did you you know share it with your family that you know this is happening i'm actually you know uh blood is oozing out of my nipple so yeah did you share this with your family i did i i've always been a really open person my mother actually brought me to those testing uh-huh. those tests that my doctor had order um so everybody knew what was going on but i don't think anybody really thought to the extent that oh, it yeah, was going to go cancer. you know <laughs> Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, you were very brave. You were brave enough to go to a hospital to get yourself checked, right? Oh, yes. yes. That's so nice. So, like what I want to ask you like when you reached the clinic, like what happened at the clinic exactly? Like what did the, you know, how did the doctor approach treatment? Uh, so I went and got my testing done, which was a crazy experience in itself because you go into this place that's specifically for women so they have like bowls of Hershey kisses and yeah. cosmopolitan cosmopolitan magazines and it's really, you know, set up for women and um they brought me back and when they did the MRI, you know, the machine that squeezes down on your breast, it just shot blood out. So um I you know everybody kind of knew like oh my gosh something's wrong here you know cuz that's it's not a common thing to happen exactly. um so then they did a couple more tests and they ended up finding that I had five papillomas localized inside of one of my milk ducts now papillomas can be just like maybe like a precursor for cancer but they can also be benign 
could have been anything just like a blockage from milk that created something uh-huh. so they decided to pull out the entire duct so then I had to go for a biopsy where they just take the whole duct out oh yeah and I under I underwent that surgery and they did the pathology on it and said it was inconclusive so to come back in six months and we'll do an MRI okay during that time I ended up losing about 35 pounds and I was pretty skinny to begin with at the time. Um, so I lost like 35 pounds. Yeah. And then that's when I noticed the inverted nipple and I had a lump probably like the size of a golf ball in my chest, which I attributed to the surgery maybe because it was along the scar line. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know if it was scar tissue or what, but um, yeah, just talk to me, uh, you know, talk to me more about the roller coaster of emotions you went through, you know, thinking about your child and family, which, you know, it was your responsibility to take care of, you know, like more about the child, right? So what were right. your, yeah. Uh, well, when I first got the official diagnosis, it was September 16th, and I laughed because I think at that moment, it was something I knew and I almost felt like this figures, you know, I'm a single mom and, mm-hmm. you know, my son's father is not around and now I got to deal with this. And, you know, I think I disassociated myself from the situation and I just completely separated the fact that I was going through it. It was traumatizing, um, yeah. which I guess helped me in the long run because they say your attitude plays such a key role in your survival when you're dealing with something like that yeah so yeah um but after you know when I was headed for my surgery it was you know a nine-hour surgery I've never had a surgery I've never had stitches I've never had nothing and then I'm sitting in the car right there uh, I would like to interrupt her like when you talk about surgery did you have any therapies before that you know like oh yeah you did not have okay I ended up having radiation afterwards. I had 50 sessions, which was Monday through Friday at 8.15. Every morning I got up and I went and had radiation done for about two months. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you were talking about the surgery. You're talking, talk to me more about this. Um, Well, I was headed in the car ride and I think that's when it hit me like, holy cow, this is like really happening. Like I'm about to have a nine hour surgery and wake up completely different. Um, it's a long surgery. Uh, what they do is they have a plastic surgeon with a breast surgeon and they both go team teamwork there and they start your reconstruction right away. Um, they put these things that are kind of like a ravioli and they sew them into your chest and they're called expanders. And so once the breasts are removed, they put those onto your chest and then they pull your skin over and sew it together. Yeah, yeah, we'll come to that. But what I'm uh, trying to understand is like till that, you know, till this time you were actually aware that your body was malignant, right? So, and when a person gets to know that, it's not very easy to approach treatment. What I want to know is like how easy or difficult it was for you to prepare yourself for the surgery, you know? Because it's not easy. For me, it was pretty easy just because I was so young. Um, I mean, it was shocking, but you're not really given any choice. 
they didn't understand what was going on mm-hmm. 10 years ago. It wasn't common to see somebody in their twenties walking in there with breast cancer, especially like, you know, I had a kid, like usually if you're older and you don't have kids, like that can be an indicator. I wasn't overweight. Like the, it just came out of nowhere. So um, I think it was pretty easy for me as far as making the choice for a bilateral mastectomy and removing both of them. I did the other so I was prophylactic so that way it wouldn't come back um, in the other breast. But it was only in one and I took them both besides symmetry issues. That's kind of good news that, you know, it was easy for you because, you know, usually for patients who are actually cancerous, it's not very easy for like to, you know, to get prepared for the surgery and actually to get prepared for the treatment itself, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think afterwards it was traumatizing because once you wake up and you see it and then you're like holy smokes and then you start like this conveyor belt of you know things you have to do afterwards and that is probably what hit me more like oh my gosh like I wish there would have been another way I believe now they don't even remove your breast though for that type of cancer they treat it another way which is great I'm glad for science that they come a long way in helping women keep their bodies yeah so what i uh, okay yeah so the next question i would ask you that how did your child react when he you know when he came to know because obviously he would also have been gone through this roller coaster of emotions you know the fact knowing the fact that his, his mother is detected of this cancer right uh, my son was five at the time, still mm-hmm. pretty young. Mm-hmm. I don't think he fully understood, but kids are surprisingly resilient. Um, you know, that just became his new norm. It, unfortunately, that's what it was. He spent some time with my parents when I had a surgery. Um, we tried not, we tried to, I guess, hide him from a lot of that, seeing his mom in pain so much because he was so young. He didn't, he already, you know, had a little bit of a tough life not having a dad so we didn't want him to give to get the impression like oh no now your mom's gonna be gone so um you know he's pretty good but now that he's older he tends to you know he's like oh it wasn't your fault mom you know because I always get upset like there were certain things that happened with his youth that I had had a surgery and I missed and you know I'll say something about it he's like you were sick you know so he understands now better than he did when he was five. Yeah, I mean, so this is, uh, so I, oh, actually after the surgery, you said that you went through therapies. So did those therapy, you know, did those therapies actually, did you lose your hair because of that? Nope. Um, chemotherapy usually causes you to lose your hair. Radiation will cause it if it's aimed at your actual head. I did not lose my hair. Um, I did end up with something called necrosis, and that is where your skin just starts to like die. Okay. So, um, yeah, uh, when you have radiation, it can do a lot of damage to your skin. I always have like red marks like around my neck, and that was 10 years ago, but it's all from the radiation. Um, it can turn your skin black. That did not happen to me. Um, my capillaries were just ruined the blood flow was not happening so it causes your skin basically to die because it's not getting the blood yeah so Um, this is the side effects of the these are the side effects of the radiation right right 
So what were uh, the, okay, yeah, tell me. Well, I was going to say that also I think has changed, but that affected like my surgery quite a bit because then they had to undo a lot of the reconstruction that they did and end up ultimately cutting they took my implant out and they ended up cutting all the radiated skin off. So then I walked around with one breast for a year and a half. So are you supposed to kind of, you know, uh, survive on medications after you get actually, you know, you get, you uh, actually get under the knife, right? There are, um, like for the cancer, you mean? Or yeah. just for the pain. Yeah. yeah, cancer. Okay. If you keep a breast, like if you only have one removed, they'll give you something called tamoxifen. Okay. But if you take both of them, they don't give you anything. Tamoxifen is supposed to help you not get cancer in like your other breast. And that's usually attributed to a hormone, hormonal cancer. Not all breast cancers are hormone receptor positive. Um, which means that they are fed by hormones. Mine was, um, but since I decided to take both breasts, mm -hmm. there's no I more to... Know. Yeah, so when you actually went to the surgery, I want to know, yeah, you know, you actually, uh, I remember when we actually had this discovery call, the pre-interview call, you actually mentioned that you actually went through a surgery where they kind of reconstructed your breasts. Tell me more about this. Yes. This um, to me. <laughs> so you can basically have a breast made out of any part of your body, your back, your stomach, your thighs, your butt, anywhere. Um, this was new to me. I never really knew about it until I was in this situation. After the radiation had killed my skin, I ended up having to put on some weight and exploring other options on how to get new skin there to create a breast. So I ended up ultimately having a deep flap surgery. Um, and that is where they take your lower abdomen okay. and basically give you a tummy tuck. They remove like a giant smiley face out of your lower abdomen. And then they move your belly button up and they take that skin and they make it into new boobs. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. So it, science is absolutely amazing. I will say that, um, they've come a long way but you can use other flaps on your body, you know, from your back, they fold it over. It's pretty interesting. And I highly suggest that people do their research if they're ever looking into something like that, because okay. it is the most natural. You don't have a foreign object in your body. If I lose weight, I lose weight there. If I gain weight, I gain it there. But they ultimately, they end up taking like two ribs, two portions of your ribs to get into like, to tap into your main artery. Mm -hmm. And then they take the, um, veins from the skin and kind of tie them in to get the blood flow. It's a pretty intensive surgery. I think I was in the hospital for about seven days laying on my back, having oh people roll me over. Um, it hurt to even cough, but I wouldn't change it for the world because it just feels so natural. I don't have to worry about anything else in there. You know, there's always complications with implants. And in fact, they just had it where a lot of breast cancer survivors who got reconstruction, their implants were faulty. There was a problem with them. They're actually causing like some other illness in people and they had to go get them removed. So yeah, and this, this just happened. Surgery like, is called deep flap surgery? Yes. D-I-E-P okay. flap. Okay. And that's just a term for your lower abdomen. Mm -hmm. 
if you choose to have like your back or your butt or your inner thigh, they're referred to as a different flap, but yep, they can make it out of anything, which is neat. <laughs> so yeah, does it require gaining weight? Because, you know, then they can actually replace the skin with that skin. I did. I actually ended up having to put on like 50 pounds because once they get the skin there, then they lipo from your body and okay. inject the fat into your breast to make them bigger. <laughs> Otherwise it's just flat skin. So that's what they do. And I went back a, probably a couple times to have them lipo and inject the fat there. Um, but that hurts really bad and I could not do it. <laughs> like, I think I did like two times and I was like, I don't understand how people do this for like fun or to like look better. It's the worst pain I ever went through. So is it like, uh, you know, is it necessary that, you know, a breast cancer patient should go for this deep lap surgery or, you know, is it not necessary for everyone to go for this? No, it's not necessary for everybody to go through that specific surgery. You know, they've come a long way and I think they're better in regards to radiation, really just, they didn't know what to do. You know, like it was all of a sudden I had three cells in my lymph nodes and they're like, you got to have chemo or radiation. And I guess if it's three cells or under it's radiation, if it's more than three cells, it's, um, chemotherapy. So I had three, so I was right at the marker there and, um, that it just happened. Like it just, they start reconstruction right away. Usually when they do a mastectomy. So that stuff was already in there by the time I realized I needed radiation. And then it was kind of like, uh-oh, what do we do now? Because eventually you have to cut that radiated skin. Mm-hmm. And that's what created the whirlwind of a five-year mess. So, so can yeah, it took about five years. Can breast cancer come back by any means? Oh, yeah. Um, oh there's a lot of secondary cancers that can come back. I can't have breast cancer come back. It usually... I have like the smallest half a millimeter of a chest wall now. So they scrape it down to like nothing. Um, a lot of times though, it comes back in a, a second part of your body. So usually if you end up with breast cancer, if it metastasizes or comes back, it's usually in a different part of your body. Um, the thyroid's a big one, oh my which God. I have not yeah, I have nodules from the radiation that's always considered a secondary cancer. Um, you know, really can just travel around your body. So I know a woman, I met a woman when I was waitressing and she actually broke her arm oh, and that's how she found out her cancer came back. It had metastasized, but she had been a survivor for about 12 years and she broke her arm and then they found out she ended up having her breast cancer came back and it was in her bones. So I was like, wow. Okay. That means breast cancer comes back in the, you know, it actually affects another part of your body, right? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So scary. Yeah. Oh, so scary. Oh my God. (laughs) It is scary. I, I, um, so talk a bit about, I live with the fear every day. Like, you know, is it going to come back? Oh Yeah. So talk a bit more about the side effects of the surgery, you know, like, okay, what was your recovery period? Also, what was your recovery period? Like, yeah. For my mastectomy, for having them both removed. um, 
I'd say about two months. And that's just mainly because of, you know, you're getting used to like a pressure on your chest because they remove and then they pull your skin and like sitting and there's just a lot of um, exercises you have to do to get your skin to stretch out and be like your normal body movements. Um, the deep flap surgery, that was tough. That was, you know, seven days in the hospital. And then after that was, I don't, I don't even yeah. probably like three months, maybe. I mean, just, that is just crazy. Cause you're dealing with wounds on your stomach and your chest, and then they're light boying your sides and your legs. So you're literally just constantly in in pain. Yeah, pain. <laughs> yeah exactly. So how long, like, you know, uh, what I wanted to ask is like, how, what if affect, like, how did it affect your mental health? It was terrible on my mental health. I don't know if that has to do with me being young. I read that it's common for people who are under the age of 50 who get breast cancer to have a hard time with it. Um, I became clinically diagnosed with chronic depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress syndrome. That's just auto, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I ended up seeing a counselor. I was on medication for a while. Um, ultimately, I, I snapped out of it. I started to set goals uh, for myself, short-term and long-term goals. And once I started to achieve them, I felt like I was moving forward in life. I think that that took such a big chunk out of where I was headed, you know, because when I originally found out I had breast cancer, I was in college, I was working, I was a single mom, um, and everything just stopped. And when I was done, I got depressed. I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, where do I go? You know, and I remember my last surgery, I ended up just reinstating back into college and setting that first final goal, which was go back to school and I'm going to get on the honor, the Dean's list for my first semester. And uh, a couple of years later, I ended up graduating and that's what really helped me out of it. But it's tough mentally on a person. Definitely. I don't know if age really even makes a difference. I mean, I guess if my circumstances, I was like 60 and married for 40 years, I might not even put myself through the trauma of trying to have the reconstruction done. But, you know, at 27, you're just like, yeah, that's like cutting off the nose of a person's face uh -huh. for a female. Yeah. It's, you know, everybody notices yeah. that on a woman, you know? Um, so that was tough. And are there any chances of getting pregnant after breast cancer? For my cancer, no. I was hormone receptor positive. So if I had gotten pregnant, I could actually end up with reoccurrence and breast cancer coming okay. back. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, some cancers are okay. Like I said, the ones that aren't hormonal, that doesn't affect them. Um, but for mine, I couldn't be on birth control. I couldn't get pregnant. So I ended up having my tubes tied at 29. So I can't bear any more children oh. since 29 years old. So 
that was another thing that weighs heavy on your mind. You have one child and then, you know, people just think, oh, the breast cancer aspect, but there's so much more. I mean, the thought at 29, like, okay, I have to go get my tubes tied and get a tubal ligation because if by any chance in five years, I meet the love of my life, if I get pregnant, I could end up sick and dying, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you make that choice with one child in mind and, you know, exactly. that's it. I'm lucky to have him. So, yeah. So, uh, the thing is that, you know, what last question that actually comes to my mind, like what were the, what were the, con- what, were your, what were your concrete learnings from all this, like from this disease, from breast cancer? I think it slowed me down a little bit um, in a good way. I think that like I appreciate things I didn't appreciate. I take time to celebrate birthdays and make a big deal about everything. And I think it actually helps me enjoy life Uh better because, you know, I know when everybody's young, you're just moving at your own pace and going so fast that you don't stop to smell the roses. But I think that, um, that that really just helped me be more aware of my body and life and my surroundings mm-hmm. and just everything. It slowed me down, but in a good way. Um, I do like to tell people to always pay attention to your body because the smallest things like a little itchy nipple turned into a roller coaster of chaos for me for five years, you know, and like I said before, with that itchy nipple, it was like after they had done the biopsy before I got my official diagnosis, when I started to notice the inverted nipple, that itching came back. And I was like, that was my first symptom. So I didn't even realize that until like a year later. So always, 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 always go to the doctor, pay attention to your body. It will tell you. (laughs) Yeah. What would you suggest the girls, uh, you know, who actually you know, kind of know, you know, actually kind of, they know they have symptoms, but they are scared of getting diagnosed. They've come such a long way, even from my story. So don't want people to be like scared. Um, I say, just go and do it because chances is you're, it's easy peasy and it's so curable. Like the ductal carcinoma has like a 90 some percent survival rate, you know, but you gotta go to the doctor. You let things like that go, then it ends up in your lymph nodes and your breasts are so close to so many lymph nodes on your body. It doesn't take long for them to travel there. Um, you know, what I went through is nothing compared to what some people go through and I wouldn't take it back um, at all. I actually got a pretty gnarly tattoo out of it. Um, I think girls should just do what they're supposed to do and take care of their bodies. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. I mean, I know different cultures, mm-hmm. things are like taboo and stuff yeah. like that. Um, in America, we're pretty open about that, but I mean, it, it's survival of the fittest. You got to do what's going to help you survive. And if something so simple as going to the doctor can help you survive, then that's what you do. Yeah, it was so nice. Like, it was so nice, the advice you actually gave. And it was so nice talking to you. I kind of appreciate your presence and your courage, like, to come on my show and actually talk about it. Thank you. 
so yeah like it's so good also guys i'm looking for stories if you have one that may heal help heal in and inspire others please connect to me at my email lifehappens.podcast@gmail.com so thank you so much for tuning in